and we shall do it right. Hello. I'll get up the dock first before we get too far into this. All right, that's probably a good idea. We're out. We are recording though, Trevor. I know. I've got it open. We're good to go. All right. I'm ready Um, now. Well, welcome to Drumroll, please. (laughs) Episode 69 of Off the Crossbar, Ray Osalik podcast. Did you guys watch Squid Game? I know. And have you guys watched Squid Game? Yes. Yes. Remember how they portrayed the like American English speaker people in that episode? Yeah, that was eerily accurate. (laughs) Wait, no. What episode? What are you talking about? What? Have you finished the show? Yeah. The, all I the, don't remember the, the American people in it at all. The, the guys with masks. How did you miss the like where they were speaking the most like exaggerated, crude form of English in like the most comically foreign way? Like it's those like they're essentially, you know, when you see like a T-shirt that's like made in. Uh, I think our our, our <laughs> former player Sonny. Stephen Sunday, Sunny Sunday Obayan is a good example of this type of thing. But like sometimes countries that aren't natively English speaking will make clothing that uh, uses English words in a series of um, in what you could call a string. I wouldn't really call it a sentence. And it makes insane sounding things. That entire episode was like those guys doing that where they were just yeah it sort of was wasn't it Trevor there was like 15 different 69 jokes sorry not different the the same 69 joke 15 times in that one episode by the same guy (laughs) it was just too close to home really Um, I I do have to point out, though, that Sonny was from Nigeria, where English is the official spoken language. Yeah, no, it wasn't about Sonny in particular. I'm talking about just like the types of (laughs) like like where you see those that type of clothing. Like, for example, when my brother was in Argentina on his mission, he would send me pictures of shirts he would see down there. And they were just hilarious Um, in like it's like, oh, like we're doing like English pop clothing. And it's just something horribly like offensive, but like for a Spanish speaking country, it's just like normal stuff. They're like, I don't, it just is what it is. I, I, that stuff is awesome. The and VIPs. You're yes, talking about yeah. the VIPs. Yes, the only people who are speaking English oh, okay. in that, in that show. Did you watch <laughs> it dubbed, Trevor? No, I watched it. <laughs> I was going to say. This is the that's... problem. Like, I listen to TV shows, but when it's like in, in a different language. Show is... What? Wait, did no, you? Because, like, did I watched it... the English dubs. No, no, no. Sorry. I oh. watched it in Korean with English subtitles. Okay. And, like, obviously, I realized that they were speaking English, but I was just reading English subtitles the whole time. Mm. So it didn't. Like, I, I knew that, but I, it didn't, like, click that it was, like, spoken in english by english speaking people yeah yeah it was funny it was like a very if that uh, makes any sense whatsoever but it was a very like foreigner view of how they would view the crudeness of like americans which i liked that lens (laughs) it was very interesting (laughs) um it, it, it was a very dark it was much darker than the funny t-shirts you'd see in like a remote town in argentina but um yeah anyway we had a game like an hour ago or something. Yeah. Can we talk about it? We do have one news item. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, that was our social hour with Squid Game because I don't think we've done anything we'll in the last two days. Squid I've literally Game. just yeah. been working. So I don't know what you guys. That, they filmed a commercial in Matt's neighborhood. That's true. I was very disappointed to learn it was commercial. I had to email the Utah Film Commission. <laughs> 
And they told me, yeah, it's a commercial. We don't know what it's for, though. I mean, a nice response and helpful that they responded, certainly under no obligation Especially that, this guy that quickly. who just emails them. How soon after you emailed them did they respond? It was a couple hours. <laughs> that's, that's that's way fast, I feel like, for someone just like asking about what is going on. That's one of yeah. the most matte things I can think of. Because most people like would see somebody <laughs> filming and they'd see like the sign that's like no parking and they'd be like, Oh, okay, something's going on here. And then they would just leave it. Or and that's like I know what I'm gonna do. And then they would ask themselves, like they would say, "Oh, I wonder if I'm ever gonna see what this is." Yeah, which it might be like oh, most a, likely no. It's a Christmas yeah. thing, or it, it looks like it's just a bunch of college students, or whatever. Yeah, but Matt's like, then you just forget about it. Matt's like, nope. Today, <laughs> we're gonna play detective, and we're gonna email the people that would know for sure the Utah Film Commission. Yeah. <laughs> you know don't, so don't awesome. provide me with the information that i ask i wouldn't even know to do that yeah i spent a lot of time reading um I, it was <laughs> weird because they have Ouch. like six uh like trailers and at least two of them were full of wardrobe yeah and it just it didn't seem like the sort of thing you do for a commercial right yeah um, that's a little intense and well, uh, I mean, it's probably like yeah. they just have like a traveling wardrobe and then they get on site and they're like, oh, we need a white shirt and brown pants. Yeah. And then they just have it from their giant closet. Oh, yeah. But there were yeah. you know at least two giant closets and then like four other trailers full of lights and cameras and other rig stuff. And, and, and they were just filming a commercial at a house, right? Yeah, just a house. Anyway. Oh, I did do one thing. We had to record early last time because I saw Dune after. Did you enjoy Dune? Oh, I you loved saw it. it so much. You saw it in IMAX, right? I saw it in IMAX, and I okay. am so glad I did. It was so good. It was so, 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 so good. It was so good. Did you was, Did you listen to the NPR report on Dune today? I, I didn't. What did they, they had, say? They just had like a couple movie critic type people on, and they, they were they talking like about it. it. One of them gave it, I was going to ask you how many stars out of 10. One of them gave it eight stars out of 10. And the other guy gave it 10 stars out of 10. I would have. The only thing that I didn't like about it is that it just keep, didn't keep going for three more hours is what is when I was so bummed about. Like when it ended, I was so bummed that it was ending just because I was like the lore is is interesting to me. Like the way they just. So I, I read the book um, like years ago, like 10 years ago, and I I liked the book. I, I was having a like I, I was I was wonder like back then I was wondering how they would make it work in like film and I didn't ever watch the David Lynch one because I would even though I like David Lynch I didn't want to watch that um, I just didn't think he would do it justice and the just the the way they were able to just create scale in that movie was just so cool to me and and seeing it in IMAX and hearing it in IMAX was just spectacular. It was just such a great experience. I gave it five out of five on Letterboxd. So um, I don't know how that translates to, to to out of ten, probably a ten. But yeah, they're nine nine or uh, ten, right? Yeah, but I uh, I mean, regardless of the rating, I just if you have a chance to see that in theaters, I boy, whew. anyway. So so they talked about going back to the NPR thing, because I want to talk about this for a second. They talked about um, like the one guy hadn't read the book until after he saw it. And the one guy read the book before and they were like, it doesn't matter. It's a great movie. I, it's a great yeah. story. It's a great book. Like 
whether you've read the book or not has no bearing on whether or not you enjoy the movie. <laughs> I think and so. Too. They were talking about different um, like attempts to make the movie like in the past. Mm-hmm. And you're talking about series as well. Yeah. You were talking about um, how you wanted it to be three hours more than it was. There's a movie uh, I'm trying to find the actual one, but somebody did try to make it. And I don't, I don't think it was David Lynch. It was somebody else. And it was just this massive project and they wanted to do it right. And they planned on it being like a nine hour movie. Yeah. No, there's a documentary about that. Um, yeah. It's, it's they, called, they mentioned uh, the documentary. I think it's, isn't it called, um, let's see the greatest film never made or something like that. I think something like that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Here we go. Right. Uh, Alejandro Jodorowsky. Yeah, tried to make a nine-hour version of Dune, and I didn't hear the ending of whether or not he did make it or not. But no, that I, I sounded incredible. I don't think so. But I mean, it it does. But like, I'm glad it. I'm glad it wasn't like really like epically attempted until now with like the technology that we have because it was just it was so good. It was it everything just felt it was just gigantic and like I don't know. Anyway, so. That was that was cool. I guess that is my social hour update. Other, other than that, that, I've just been freaking working, you know. So I do know. Uh, yeah. So that's, I also that's, know. That's been exciting. I know how that goes. Yeah. So news item. News item. Oh, I added one more. So it's technically items. News items. Uh, first up, Tony Datkovich is actually injured, apparently. Uh, which. I don't know. Yeah, so he I got feel put like on this the... has to be a new thing. <laughs> I mean, because like, we were told uh, we're not naming names, and we were told by people who would know specifically. You can just say at yeah. like by told by the club. Yeah, told we by, were told by the club. communications. We were told by RSL communications that the two last two games where he didn't even make the eighteen was like coach's decision, and then David Ochoa went on El Show Real and talk to them and they asked him about it and he said that he was injured and then today he showed up on the injury report for this game so i there's definitely a scenario where like everybody's been correct the whole time and he probably just got injured like in the last day or two or something like that which is that's sure. fine that happens people <laughs> people get injured at training like that's the thing that happens and we saw some of that tonight but anyway yeah it, it's weird that he suddenly popped up back into like RSL fans minds in the injury report, which is the thing that we've been complaining the most about all season. And it's improved. No, that's lately. not true. We've been complaining about a lot of things, but it's been the stupidest thing we've been complaining about all it got, season. It got yeah. better. Um, oh, way better. And then it just kind of got confusing for a little are, while. What again. caused that? Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, second news item. <laughs> Uh, New England ha- officially has the highest points total ever in MLS, and I believe they still have two more games to go. So good for them. This is what good happens for Bruce Arena. when you just go out and get the best coach available instead yeah. of like farting around trying to find out who <laughs> might be a good coach and conducting an interview with 20 different coaches that like don't have any head coaching experience and getting just somebody that's might be just the cheapest option. Instead, yeah. New England was just like, let's just spend the money and get the best guy that's available and we'll yeah. become the greatest team in MLS history. And overnight. And, okay. And here's the, yeah. So, well, that brings me to my 
question. Do we think that like they're the I mean, I know they've the highest points total. But like what happens if they flame out of the out of the playoffs? What do you guys what happens then? I mean, all just, bets are off then, right? Well, especially because yeah. I mean, they've played one they've played two Western Conference teams all season. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. they got to play away, Cincinnati three times, so that's a little unfair. We didn't get to do that. <laughs> no, we got to play Austin at least twice, though. And, that is uh, true. We saw how that went. Did you hear the stat that Matt Doyle tweeted out about Cincinnati today? No. <laughs> there's a couple. So there's never been a team in MLS history that has been the worst team in the league three years in a row until oh. Cincinnati did it in their first three seasons as an MLS <laughs> club. They Good currently have a minus 100. I think it's a minus 102 <laughs> goal differential all time. Chivas USA across the like seven or eight years that they existed or whatever it was, is the worst of all time. And they're at minus 132. Oh so my Cincinnati goodness. is very close to being like the worst team of all time, period, period. Oh, that's so awesome. This is what happens when you give Ohio another soccer team. Like, who thought that was a good idea? Well, at the time, Columbus was going to move, right? Well, No, that's not true, but a fun joke. <laughs> not even a joke. It's not just like a weird off comment. Well, I mean, also at the time, like, when Cincinnati was, like, before MLS, they were getting, like, 35,000 fans. I know. Like as a USL team, yeah. So like, fair enough, yeah. Put that team in MLS, but it is hilarious they, that they yeah, are their the attendance worst like team. these days. I don't uh, think it's thirty five thousand a game. Yeah, I know. I have like, yeah. no idea, but I'm sure it's not great. I'm curious. And I mean, yeah, you have to think that dies off. So. Let's see, 2021. The highest is twenty five thousand. That's a lot. Their lowest is 6,000, although that's certainly a limited. Yeah, that's number. probably a COVID number. Um, that's what I was going to say. Their numbers may. probably are COVID affected for like yeah, average they, attendance. But like certainly. average is 23,000, though. So that's wow. Not, so they're, not still bad. Getting ton, they're getting more than we are. Good for them. That is good for them because our team isn't bad at home and we can't get anywhere close to that. So yeah, we still haven't sold out the stadium this year. Uh, did we not sell out the Seattle one? <laughs> No, I think the highest that we've had, I, I'm not even sure we've broken 19,000 this year. Oh, okay. If we did, it might have been one game. It would have been the Seattle yeah. game, if anything, right? They're yeah. building hype for that. Children. Yeah. Um, I'm oh, yeah. just going to say, this is what they get for having Jeff Cameron on their team. That yep. too. <laughs> Absolutely. That's karma. I don't, karma's not a thing, but no, you know, but well, I mean, it's a thing. It well, exists. I, I mean, <laughs> in the same way astrology exists. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's all right. Should we, should we talk about the game? Yeah. Uh, well, because there's... we're all in relatively good moods. Mm-hmm. It was, <laughs> which was not the case like an hour and a half ago. Like I legitimately, I was tweeting the game from RSL Soapbox and there was a point at like the 75th minute where I was legitimately just going to be like, all right, guys, I'm done. I'll see you later. And then just like stop tweeting about the game because it was just that would have been way the, funny. the same thing over and over and over. Like over I was struggling over. to like make a new point. It was almost the exact the game same thing as the anything. as a Chicago game. Yeah, it was, I just, was like, wow, we really aren't going to need to talk about this game at all. Um, because it felt like the exact same thing. Like, I mean, yeah, the second half, first half, we were getting zero, almost no shots. 
we were getting almost no pressure on goal. I mean, we didn't get really any pressure on goal in the first half. We had like maybe one shot on target. Um, and then uh, second half, we came out with a lot more intensity and we had a lot more possession um, and we were actually being dangerous. But to be fair, so was <laughs> so was Dallas. Like they didn't um, like uh, Jesus Ferreira was just like very dominant and the uh dallas had chances to bury us and they did not which is i guess why they're the second to worst team in the western conference yeah Yeah. certainly david ochoa played a a role there but yeah uh, he didn't play much of a role like he he had a couple good saves a couple yeah he he had a good save in the first half but he also that so their for their goal came on Ugh. this really weird like recycled ball into the box after a I think it was a corner or maybe just a n- normal set piece I'm not sure what I can't remember what it was we lose possession they play like a lofted ball into around like the penalty spot and it's Matt Beasler versus Matt Hedges a battle of the mats for the ages uh, for this ball Achoa comes out to grab it but doesn't really do it which this is this is kind of a problem for Ochoa that has happened a few times. Um, it happened with that that Tony Dakovich thing, where yeah. like he kind of half comes out for it. He doesn't like it, he just didn't come out powerfully at all. Um, he kind of gets like a half hand on it and then gets beat by this header from Matt Hedges, who's nine feet tall. So um, that was bad, but I mean, hopefully that improves over time. It was just kind of a kind of unlucky i guess i don't know it was yeah. it was it was like you said like that was one of the things that he wasn't and a lot of young goalkeepers like that's kind of a struggle for him is like just going into whenever a ball gets into the box and they're gonna go for it like just go for it and like sell out and win the ball punch the ball whatever yeah and a lot of young goalkeepers are a little bit tepid and a little bit um not I don't know what the word, not aggressive. That's what I'm looking for. Um, just not as aggressive as they need to be to go for those. And that's exactly what happened. If he had just been more aggressive and just went out and owned it, then he easily could have won the ball. It wasn't like Matt Hedges did anything special whatsoever. No. It was gotta, straight up just Ochoa just was a little bit weak going for the ball. Yeah. Which made all the difference. Yeah. From there, it was just Dallas kind of dominated that first half, right? yeah it was rough like there was just not a lot going on we started with uh, Bobby Wood Johnny Menendez also started this game I thought he looked um he looked good I think he is an incredibly like aggressive player who's also very good on the ball I would like to see more of him I think it's pretty clear he can play in this formation um so yeah Yeah, I I think um I think it was Trey that said it somebody said it on Twitter that summed it up perfectly I think Menendez was just on an island all game. There wasn't any real connection between players. He wasn't really playing one twos or like, you know, working in and around with RSL players. It seemed like once Johnny got the ball, it was like, go for it, dude, see what you can do. And then he kept it, megged a couple guys and would dribble around some people, but then it never really amounted to anything. I think he had one shot later on that uh, hit the frame. He, yeah, he hit the post in the second half. He had some good link up. Uh, he had like a nice run of play and then a, a good pass to Bobby Wood, who was able to get our first shot on frame after he yeah. kind of like juggled it with his thigh and then volleyed it. Or I guess that's a half volley. Um, 
and then yeah so there was like there was some good stuff there but i i mean i thought he looked good and not i mean would like of course to see him be able to link up with our team more and not feel on an island but anyway yeah. i thought he had a good showing it's certainly one that's worth playing him if not off the bench again um yeah anyway. it just heightens the mystery there right yeah because like it's not i mean he looked better than well we'll talk about him in a, in a sec for this game but like than justin miram has looked in previous weeks but you know whatever but I guess uh, form can turn at any time, right? And uh, yes, I think absolutely. We'll, and I, well, I, let's talk about Miriam. Real quick, I wanted to make one more point oh, on yeah. Johnny. Um, <laughs> Alex, again, we never got clarification on this. Alex Mower, Mower, Mower. Um, listen to the pod. It's okay. Very disappointed he, in you, Alex. That's right. <laughs> Tweet us. Tell us how to pronounce your name. Uh, anyway, he uh, in the post game asked Pablo. I'm just quoting his tweet right here. Asked Pablo how Menendez earned a start in the most important game of the year after not starting in a long time. Um, Pablo talked about him working on defense and said that the last time we played in the four, he was one of the best on the field. He was a victim of the new formation, which is, I mean, that's what Dunny was saying on the broadcast. Just confirmed exactly what we've been saying. Like he's a great player. Just Pablo refuses to play him because he thinks he doesn't work in this formation. And I think he showed today that he kind of does a lot. Yeah. I have some strong feelings about this and that's, I mean, yeah, I'm obviously not a big fan of this formation. I don't think it makes any sense. Um, I've talked Especially about it a lot. It keeps one of your better players off the field. Yeah. It's, that's, it's built yeah. around Rusnak, right? That's the idea is you, In theory. you put enough players on the field that you give Rusnak a free roll. Yeah. Um, and I think we've seen that sometimes works, but when it doesn't work, it really doesn't work and nothing like builds around it. Right. Yeah, And that's the thing that's most distressing for me. But as I was looking at like the touch maps and where passes came from, like Michael Chang is playing basically as a left back, uh, which one, weird. Uh, two, he's not defending. He's um, very much you, not defending. <laughs> if you played a left back there, maybe you could get some defense in addition to the attack. Um, obviously, Noah Powder made that more difficult. That He would have been a good option there um and yeah. his his dui and, and subsequent suspension uh yeah that would be a perfect yeah. thing for noah powder because like chang is decent enough going forward but like there were f- three or four times in the first half where just or where where chang was just like not in a good position and we almost got punished um just straight bypassed yeah, yeah. And it's, it's almost it's, by design, right? Like it is, well, this yeah. is yeah. I've I've said this a number of times, but that's how you beat RSL is you just attack Chang and Miram or Chang and Menendez or whoever it is that's playing on the outside because they're gonna give you the space in behind. You it's, can it's get whoever well you play you attack RSL's so left side because Aaron Herrera is not on that side. Like that's yeah, exactly you attack whatever side Aaron Herrera is not on. But if you can beat Aaron Herrera on the left side and cross it to the, the right side or our left side you're usually in pretty good shape because um chang isn't exactly the fastest man to get back on defense so no. well, that's, like i said that's what i've been saying about like why johnny fits just fine in this formation you don't get to say that it's like a defensive issue mm-hmm. because chang isn't playing great defense miram's not playing great defense mm-hmm. anybody else that we put in that role like brody and herrera when they get to play in that midfield role 
aren't really playing defense when they play that spot. So you yeah, don't get Herrera to like, struggled there too. Yeah, you don't get to say, oh yeah, we we put him there, or he's not playing there because of his defensive struggles. Like, how much worse could it be getting defensive help from the wide midfield player because nobody's offering defensive help as a wide midfield player for this team in this formation? Yeah, yeah. And one of the interesting things about this for me is that Menendez is on the right was on the right tonight. Yeah, so he's got the support of Aaron Herrera. And mm-hmm. if you look at the passing charts, like that was a strong connection and that's, that's good. That's what you want. And Aaron Herrera is playing as a right back in this mm-hmm. formation. <laughs> uh, and we have well, two center backs and a left back, right? Yeah. That's basically what it, he's playing as a third center back, but that role has always been, if it wasn't Herrera playing there, it was glad and glad played as a right back. Yeah. Like not that was a, evidence from well. the get go, the right sided center back of the back three places a right back. They get forward. They bring the ball forward. They attack. They, they're, they're right back. Yeah. Only and a three man back line is a little bit silly. It's, it's essentially a two man back line at that point. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Which, yeah. uh, wild. I don't, I don't know why we're doing this. <laughs> it, it worked out tonight, but I don't think that was because of the formation. Um, no. And that's, I, that's the thing. Like, <clears throat> excuse me. I struggled to give Pablo the credit that a lot of other people are giving Pablo. And the reason why I struggled to give him credit is because he's the one that made this formation. And there are times when you're like, okay, I see this formation and I see why it is working. But there are times like tonight where it just seems like it's just sheer will. Like it's just players wanting to score goals more than they want to lose the game that causes us to like win the game. Like tonight was Justin Miram coming on and just being an impact sub. It wasn't as a result of the formation. Justin Miram was huge in this game and did a lot of good things and flipped the game. And that's what caused us to win the game. It wasn't that we were playing this three man back line or this two man back line or whatever. It, it's got nothing to do with the formation. It's just straight up the players every now and then just take the game into their hands. Julio's done it. Miram did it today. Like, <laughs> And I guess you got to give credit to Pablo for like subbing that player on. Yeah, no. And like keeping, I'm glad that we were down at halftime and didn't lose this game. Like, like there's credit for, I guess, motivating the boys, but like, yeah, to attribute this to the, I mean, like I mentioned, a more clinical team puts four goals on us easily. (laughs) Well, and it's um, happened before. Like the first scored another one that was very, very, very narrowly offside. Uh, um, and then they had someone in the second half get like just the most wide open shot ever. And he just put it over the bar. And that was, I mean, we didn't really have many players who had a great night. I thought, like I mentioned, I thought Demir had a pretty off night. Um, he just a lot of sloppy touches. And then he's had two off nights in a row, I think. And then, yeah, he wasn't good in Chicago. And then it was just like very lazily market, like half marking that guy who got the wide open shot. It was the guy who subbed in. I can't remember his last name. Um, like Demir was who? Ricuarte. You're talking about yeah. the one like at the top of the box. Yep. Not at the top, but inside. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Demir, Demir tracked him into the box, stopped <laughs> right at the top of the box, let him walk in to the 18 and receive that pass and then miss the shot. Like Demir did a disservice by even pretending to mark him because it made our team probably think that, Oh, Demir has that guy. And no, he did not. 
So there was like moments like that where I'm just like, it's just boneheaded behavior and I'm just confused by it. But, um, yeah, that, that was weird. But, and like, but like you said, there was just an effort tonight that like, uh, was great to see. And I don't know if it's just when Albert Reese gets to Texas in certain situations, if it's not Austin, <laughs> but like, it was just, it was, it was very good. So Justin Miram comes in, makes an instant impact, um, instantly takes like a, uh, takes a shot from distance, which is not something that we normally do because we pass the ball until we can cross it from the side and hopefully get a head on it from Demir Krylock. So he, uh, we, we did that so many times. We look for that constantly and it's been effective, but I think you, for it to make it more effective, you also have to add some other things to your toolbox. And Justin Miram had a long distance shot that hit the crossbar and it was one of those classic off the crossbar then hit the keeper and at that moment you think oh this is going in it's one of those things that's like one of the only times i've seen it hit the keeper and not go in even though it looked like it really should have very unlucky um and i don't know if in mls that would have been a miram goal or an own goal i can't remember but anyway i never remember um yeah so that was a bummer um and in the post game justin said that pissed him off and then like just minutes later he gets just a plays a very delightful cross but not a high cross just like a low ball that bounces in the box and gets to demir's foot and demir scores to tie it which was just it was it was great we love to see it love to see another demir goal even when he's having a bad night but it was so good from miram because that was that was not a type of cross that we had played up to that point like we'd been looking for the same style of cross that entire game, but Miram plays one that's uh, dangerous, bound, like low in the box, not on the ground, but like one of those ones that is difficult for the defense to deal with, and they could not deal with it. And then it was great. Then, of course, uh, and what minute was that goal in? That goal was like the, oh, geez, I'm looking at it. Hold on. Uh, the Demir Kreiler goal was in the 80th minute. Yeah, and then FC Dallas subs in Ricardo Pepe, who Brian Dunseth had like been talking the entire game how like weird it was that he wasn't playing. Um, but I mean, they're they're eliminated from the playoffs. They're looking at like a massive payday from a team that's going to be buying him soon. Um, and yeah, they just weren't playing him. Um, he comes in just immediately looking like he's going to kill us, which was scary. And yeah, and then Miram has an inc- like a super nice one too with albert albert also started to like kind of turn things on toward the end of the second half looked really good combined well with justin miram and then hits like a perfect first time like half volley thing um to the back post to win the game in the 90th minute and it was just delightful it was very pleasant to see and i was not expecting any of that to happen i was fully prepared for the one zero consecutive 1-0 loss on the road which would have really sucked yeah as a result we're now uh slightly up in the playoff ranking uh well we're we're down overall but uh we're in seventh place as things currently stand that could change by the end of the night uh with vancouver turn though uh yeah yeah, vancouver could drop back below us Oh, but that would put Minnesota ahead of us. So I, I think seventh is where we're stuck tonight. Anyway, so we're we're in playoff contention as things stand. Uh, and these next few games are going to be huge, which I guess is fun. 
So you, <laughs> it's what you want from a league, right? Is yeah. A well, fun end of the season. Yeah. We talked about it on the last pod, but I think we said that 48 is like the, yeah, we're worried about it number. And 50 is the one where we're like comfortable, comfortably in. And at that point, that meant that we needed between six and eight points um, out of the last four games. That's three right there. Yeah, yeah and that was three that, we, that nobody was expecting us to get. I don't think anybody was expecting us to win. Like, seriously, I think a lot of people were on Twitter saying they had a good feeling about it, but nobody seriously thought we had a chance at this game. We've never played well against Dallas, even when Dallas is very bad. Yeah, this Texas. was the second time we've ever won at FC Dallas. The other time was in yeah. 2013. And they've Out been of in like the league 30 the matches. whole time. Yeah. Just wild stuff. Yeah. So so is Miram the differentiator? And what changed from last match where he was, I don't know, not, not the different, I mean, if he was a differentiator last match, it was in a negative way. <laughs> like, is it just that he had a good game? I think that <sighs> this is the first game that I've really thought it. And I don't know if it like translates well to past performances, but I feel like Miram and Julio kind of have the same kind of issues, the wrong word, but they have the same kind of thing where um, if you start them, then like they're not going to finish the game. And if you start them, you're only going to get some really brilliant moments from them. But when you, when you sub them on for whatever reason, like whether it's a mentality thing or motivation thing or whatever, when they are subs coming off the bench, they're usually incredible or at the very least, like not harming the team. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I, and like I said, I don't know if that's a mentality thing, if that's a motivation thing, if that's somebody coming off the bench wants to show that they're better than that. They need to be a starter. So they play really well coming off the bench. I, I don't know what causes that, but I think that's kind of what's happening is Miram can just change the game coming off the bench. He can just, There's been, I mean, there have been so many times take it over a little bit. he has come off the bench and I felt like just, blah, but, um, but it could also just be that he could just be like a flip the coin type player, like yeah. good game, bad game. Yeah. He's he a might good be. player, talented player, veteran player. He has a lot of those um, <laughs> qualities. That means that he can do things, but sometimes he just doesn't. And I'd be curious how many times like he's, he's hit the crossbar or the uprights this year. Cause that man, it's been a few, right? It's been, yeah. it's been it's like been four or five. <laughs> like he hit like early season. Even he was, he was just smoking the crossbar, but anyway, yeah. So we won. We did it. Yeah. So, uh, anything else about this game before we talk very briefly about what comes up next? Oh, man, I'm just still so stressed about like defensive organization with this formation. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, just, at this, at this point, uh, like we've seen the last nine games at this point it's i don't think it's worth being stressed about it's just something you just got to plan on yeah this team is very poor at marking very poor at spacing i shouldn't say this team this formation creates situations where there's just really bad marking and there's really bad spacing there's really bad um pressing was one of the things that i noticed in this game particular in particular was when we go to press, we lose the ball in their half, and that's when you press and try to win the ball back. When we did that, it was so easily broken by Dallas. 
Yeah. It was so easily bypassed. And then all of a sudden they're into that wide open space, that total lack of man marking in the midfield and in the defensive third. So it's, it's just room to make I, a big mistake. <laughs> yeah. But I think that's just what you kind of have to expect from this team. Cause there's no evidence at all that they're interested in changing it. It's, this is not how you like succeed in the playoffs, right? Or, no. or is it? Nope. It's not. <laughs> setting up your team to just allow three goals in any given game is not it's not how you win playoff games it's not how you win playoffs you can win a game or maybe two games but if you carry that off for more than that it's because you've got elite goal scoring talent which we don't really have yeah no well Demir Kralik's on 15 goals now. Um, <laughs> which which is incredible. We should spend like 10 minutes talking about just how incredible it is that we signed a defensive midfielder from the second division in Germany and he turned into the greatest goal scorer this club has ever seen. <laughs> second greatest. Let's not I, no, I think, I think he's the greatest. Like that. Let's have that debate. Is he the greatest oh, goal no. scorer this team has ever no. seen? We, let's save that for an off-season episode. <laughs> uh, now, but really, like... He he was a good goal scorer in Germany, right? Like he he had between eight and twelve goals at most seasons. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I uh, thought it was like five to eight, but I'm, I'm happy to be wrong. I, I think he was in really double digits remember. at least once. Okay. Um, I'm going to double check that while I'm talking. But it's it's incredible, really, to see him on 15 goals, eight assists. Rusnak now on eight goals and what 12 assists. Pereira's like got at least 10 assists. Uh, these numbers are not the numbers of a team that is like trying to break into the last playoff spot in the league. <laughs> and it well, just makes me wonder, like, could could we be much better than this with what we have? That's what it's. That, it's one of those things that, yeah. like, this is. And I'm gonna. I don't talk about this on Twitter because I know how this is going to sound and I don't want to have this debate with everybody on Twitter, but everybody's yelling about Aaron Herrera needs to be called up to the men's national team because he's got 12 assists or whatever. And like, he's the best right back in the league. And there's an awful lot of truth to that. But the reason that Aaron Herrera has as many assists as he does is because we have Demir Krylock and that's the game plan is get the ball to Herrera (laughs) wide and put the ball in. So it's not like Aaron Herrera is the greatest chance creator like in the game it's just a symptom of like the way that the team plays yeah so if he gets up to the national team and suddenly isn't getting two assists every game like he he won't because that's not the game that Berhalter plays and that wouldn't be the role that he asks of Aaron Herrera and I'm sure that Aaron Herrera would do just fine and be a, a really good right back for the national team I'm not trying to say that but the thing that everybody's so stoked about with Aaron Herrera is just such a symptom of Real Salt Lake in 2021 and the way that they play in 2021. It's like, um, to use a really niche example, when Antonio Nocherino for Milan scored like 12 goals one year. And the reason why was just because they had him playing off of Ibrahimovic. He he scored like twelve or thirteen goals. And the in goal one season. was to, or the plan was to lob it to Ibra to put it down to something like that. Yeah, right? like yeah. he would just take away all the defenders, and Notorino just scored a bunch of goals. And he'd never done that before in his career. He never did it since. He's a guy that came over to MLS and sucked for two years, I think, in Orlando. <laughs> yeah, but it was like everybody was like, "Oh, this is the greatest goal scorer that we've never seen." He's a thirty-year-old, and suddenly he came to life as a goal-scoring midfielder, and then he could never replicate it because he was 
in a different right. situation. Yeah. I mean, it's a good example of how we used to get like we used to get, you know, two, three, four, five, six, seven, et cetera, goals from players like Kyle Beckerman a season, players like Ned Grabovoy a season. Like we used to have, you know, players that play deeper in the midfield getting goals just because of the way that we used to play. But we don't play in a way that feeds uh, you know, Paulo Ruiz getting getting the amount of goals that Kyle Beckerman used to score in a season for us. Like those goals aren't coming from them anymore. Yeah. Um, they're we are playing a very defined <laughs> crossing from that side type of game. And like you just watch it, the way we look for that constantly, the way um it's 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 like you can just see it every single time. So that's why like I very much was very appreciative of like Justin Miram getting in the game and just letting one rip because one, he can hit those and we've seen him do that. And that was a good example of how he can. And just when you mix things up a little bit, um, it just makes it less, pre- less predictable. Uh, and and it, it forces the other team to adjust to you. Yeah. And play a little bit differently. So, and but, like, again, against Dallas, like our goal of putting the ball in the box and letting our guy head it. When you're playing against a team with Matt Hedges, you can't do that. Yeah. And that's and why that, like lower. he won every single header in the box yeah. the whole game. Yeah, and then wasn't finally even we put close. one underneath <laughs> him and we get it through. And then yeah. we get a goal that's a shot through the box and it's a goal. Like it blows yeah. me away that we approached Dallas that way. Yeah, that was and it took a Justin Miram sub in order to like do something differently. Cause I, yeah. I was like, it was, it was just clear as day that we were not going to be able to score the way we were trying to score until he got in there. I was like, we, there's no way we're about like, there's no way we're going to score a goal. We keep trying to do the same thing. Um, the, the best hope we had was an Anderson Julio counterattack, which of course is always, it's the, that's always a potentially an option um, that might happen. And I would love to see, would have loved to see that happen, but it's, you can't count on that. It requires, um, I mean, like we weren't, a, we weren't even a counterattacking very well in that game either. I thought we were, we weren't very decisive. We even when we had those opportunities. So yeah, um, no, I don't think we were good. Yeah, either. it was. Yeah. I'm very thankful for a Justin Mira masterclass on that one because yeah, good sub and just great performance from him. And especially with what he's been going through lately, you love to see it. I'm very happy for him. Yeah. Fair enough. Also had good words for Albert Rusnak after the game saying that he loves that guy and that he even went to mention that he helped him get like, uh, um, what's the word? Settled. Uh, yeah. Settled. What? There's like a word that's like, uh, acclimated acclimated. That's the one he helped him get acclimated like upon joining RSL and that he does a lot for the club and that's why he's the captain or something. It was uh, I'm glad to hear that there's some respect going on in the locker room for our our sweet Albert Prince, who had a great goal himself today. So well, we had Albert in the post game said not the same <laughs> thing, but very similar. He had a lot of praise for Miram um, and what he brings to the team and and what he brings like as a veteran um, presence and stuff like that. So respect goes yeah. both ways, and that's great to see. Yes. So. I guess overall feeling good. Uh, are you, do you still harbor any like major concerns after that match? It's not the anything exact like, same stuff. <laughs> yeah, not anything fresh or new. Like it's again, I think we kind of 
at this point, Pablo has established who Pablo is, and this team has established how this team is going to play under Pablo. And really, the only mm-hmm. um, differences, like from game to game, is if the individual players play well, um, then we're going to have a good game. And if there's individual players that don't play well or struggle, we're going to have a bad game. Yeah. You know, the system is the system, and they're playing the system, and sometimes it works a little bit better because the players are a little better. We're a little more clinical or we're yeah. a little better yeah. ta- like in the tackle, but there's, that's really the difference between games at this point. It's not and so much that like the, anything has changed. We're yeah. seeing the exact same problems and we're seeing the exact same solutions. And I think it also game. depends on uh, how clinical our opponent is because I'm pr- it's pretty clear that through the system, the opponent's going to get chances. Like that's yeah. just, what the system is yeah dallas took 23 shots yeah 20 they had like 14 they had 14 or 15 in the first half i think like yeah it was i was like okay like there's no way that they don't only score one on us and they did but it wasn't for a lack of uh it wasn't because we just locked them down defensively is because they just blew very clear chances that i did not expect them to miss so like there's a lot up to just our opponent <laughs> and like how if they show up or not like i don't which is concerning i i would prefer we didn't leave that much up to our opponent it just goes back to how insanely bad seattle was in that one game <laughs> like yeah. i just it's, it's like unfathomable on a, on a slide yeah it's that is the, that's the clear outlier because every other game it seems like yeah, the opponent just is getting like very open chances. And sometimes we play a game like Portland and they just don't miss them. <laughs> and that's could very well happen again. So I don't know. Yep. So next up, we've got San Jose. Uh, they are currently losing to Portland. Uh, yeah, it's they're the about to lose. Minute. Did Espria uh, just score like an incredible goal or something? Yeah, watch, watch that goal while we break down uh, where we stand. And then uh, potential playoff situations, uh, but do watch that goal. Uh, so, as things stand, unless something changes while I'm talking, or literally have to be while I'm talking, and it won't change. Uh, we're in seventh place. We have the tiebreaker on Minnesota, uh, which is the first one is number of wins. Uh, second is goal difference. Uh, we do hold both of those. Um, we do still have a game in hand. We're going to expend that in a week. So next Wednesday is the when we make up that game in hand uh, and we, we do play on the last game of the day of the season too, which is nice, uh, a good change. Uh, so as things stand, we'll be in the play in. There is a very, very outside chance that we end up in an automatic qualification, uh, which would be wild. Uh, so that would be fourth place. I think it's, it's outside enough that I wouldn't consider it strongly. <laughs> But I just if, saw a goal, sorry. It's really good. Uh, but if we manage to beat Portland on in a, in a week, uh, that gives us a pretty good chance. Uh, San Jose is going to be out of the playoffs. We're going to have to play better than we did against Chicago, certainly. Um, and uh, better than we did for 80 minutes against Dallas. So they won't have much to play for aside from, I don't know, Chris Wondolowski retirement hour. Is he retiring at the end of the season? Better be. I don't think he's like actually announced whether or not he's going to. Wow. He has to. He like retired last year, sort of. At this point, he 
He, re- he almost it's retired like, he, like two years he doesn't late. Really play, and yes. he's like 38, 39 years old. Okay, yeah. so that Espria goal is so funny. Hold on, let's start this at the beginning. I'm watching it now. Okay, so the ball gets outlet to the right. Is that Espria that has a ball? No, Espria's making a run down the middle. Keeper comes out, bobbles it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so the keeper bobbles it right to Aspria, who like one touches it up and then bikes it from twenty-two yards out on the wing into the box. <laughs> that is so good. Oh, I'm okay, so happy. So a few things there. I'm, I'm rewatching this. What was the keeper doing? Oh, he's just gonna he, pick the ball up like a good keeper. How did he should. not just pick the ball up right there? <laughs> that's, oh, that's so bad. He just like okay, and then the second thing. How does the San Jose? It seems like the San Jose defender could have gotten to that, but maybe I'm wrong. Is that Marcinkowski? Yep. Uh, That's him. Oh no, he was pretty far from that on the from the view from behind. Yeah. And then MLS tweeted reminding anyone else of Ibra official versus England in 2012. I really don't no. want to compare anything to no. that goal because that They're was so thirsty. So thirsty. That's I know. really <laughs> struggling for clicks. I know. I know. Well, anything with the word Ibra does get clicks. So, yeah, some of our best traffic was when he and Netamon Woha kind of went at it a little bit. Speaking of um, MLS social media trying to get clicks. Oh, yeah. Oh, man. What, a what did f- they do? Oh, it's just the whole Seattle sporting Kansas City thing. Oh, the rock. Oh. When that when the rock tweeted oh, yeah. about. Tim Wait, I, didn't even, the rock so I heard bottom. Dunny talking about that. I don't I, like. I don't even see what the actual what the initial thing was. I'm gonna I gotta pull up the rocks Twitter. Sorry, you uh, saw the play. You know the play we're talking about. I, I know. I, I like, yeah, I have a vague idea of what happened, but I I like don't even I didn't even watch the play really. So it's so, a classic sidewalk slam. When did yeah, he, pretty much. When did he tweet about it? Oh, there it is. It was like the next day. He tweeted it. something about how it was good form or something, but he didn't know that you were allowed to do that in soccer. And he was like, hashtag rock bottom or something like that. <laughs> Wait, was that? Why did Tim Millia do that? <laughs> yeah, like it's the goofiest play. It for sure was a red card. That's and so he, only, he only got a yellow for it in well, the game. So, of course, Seattle fans that, were mad. Just before that, at the very beginning of that clip, Tim Millia like shoves one of his own KC players like into the ground, which is so funny. Tim Millia is just like on a war path. That was, that's yeah. so awesome. He shoves his own player by his head into the ground. Yeah, oh, just that's wild. so awesome. Anyway, so that whole thing happens. The Rock tweets about it. And then MLS is like, oh, The Rock tweeted about something with MLS. We've got to dig in uh, yeah. hard and promote this so much. And Seattle fans got very upset about it, in part because it's like, this is a red card play. And you're like broadcasting it as this funny, goofy thing. Yeah, like, I think it's funny. one. Like, don't do that. That's really stupid to be like, oh, look at our league and our goalkeeper committing a red card foul. Like, for sure. Um, (laughs) But then there's a whole bunch of Seattle fans that got mad because sporting fans are defending it and going ham on Twitter. I know you guys are laughing at something, but I'm not looking at it just yet. But... But anyway, so sporting and Seattle fans got into it all week, and Seattle fans have not shut up about it, and it's caused a lot of problems on Twitter that don't matter. Let's see what this thing is that you're laughing at now. Read it aloud, Trevor. All right, I'm looking at a tweet from Whitecaps FC. (laughs) 
hold on. Left foot, right foot, head. He just finishes everything. <laughs> Brian White could finish while thinking of the queen. <laughs> oh, no. Why is that from the official White Caps Twitter account? That's from White Caps. Oh, my goodness. What is happening? <laughs> Hang on, hang on. I know exactly who to check for. Let's go to Twitter. Find the Whitecaps FC social media guy and see if he uh, says anything about it. You guys know who I'm talking about, right? I no. don't. Uh, Mark oh. Gassner uh, oh. loves to make fun of the Whitecaps social media oh, and just man. says he's the Whitecaps social media no guy just having way. a good day whenever they tweet something. What I'm so I Trevor, I'm so sorry. I mean I was listening and then no, I that's just fine. Got I'm super. just talking about SKC sporting stuff. Who who cares? This is hilarious, guys. I it's <laughs> the funniest thing I've ever seen. Left foot, right foot, head. I he just believe. finishes everything. Brian White could finish while thinking of the queen. That's like, an insane what? tweet. Why are you putting that out there? So like there's gotta be there is no way that they don't know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, that's right? like, dude, <laughs> that is so funny. Well, hopefully Mark saw that. I'm, uh, I may end up seeing Mark on Sunday or Saturday. Oh, really? Yeah. Up in Seattle, which is where I will be for the next match. So oh, uh, wait, the home match? The home match. You just said that. You just said you'd yeah. be there on Saturday. I oh, could have put man. two and two together there. Going on a ridiculously long road trip. So that's right. Trevor, are you gonna be at the game on Saturday? I'm planning on oh wait, the game on Saturday is like a goofy it's, time, isn't it? It's an early one, yeah. Tomorrow, Let's Friday, check Saturday. It is a, oh, it's not that early. It's 1 30. So that's I guess that's early, early, but yeah. yeah. I'm planning on being there. Yes. Are you cool. planning on being there? <clears throat> yes, sir. Cool. And then I will see you there. Yes, sir. And I will see you both on Twitter. And we will see (laughs) all of our friends at the stadium that day as well. Get your tickets now to the game. Is that the game? that Are we doing the... Matt, this is a question for you specifically. Yes. Yes. Are we still doing the chili cook-off this year? Uh, So the chili cook-off is always the first playoff game. uh, Which I I think they've they've really got to change that. I thought it was the last home game of the year. No, it's the first last playoff home game of the game. regular season. So if there's not a playoff, they just don't do the chili cook-off? Yeah. That's horrible planning. Whoever's in charge of that needs to change that. That's There's two things I look forward to every year, and it's the home brew and it's the chili cook-off. Well, regardless, <laughs> uh, I will make chili and I will share it with everybody. And, Absolutely. Uh, it'll, yes. it'll be fun. It'll be Let's too go. spicy. But I did make uh, hot sauce. So if you need hot sauce... I've got it. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry for the uninitiated. You do not need hot sauce for Matt's chili. <clears throat> Promise it's fine without it. You'll be okay. No, it'll it'll add a nice like fermented <laughs> sting. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm not trying to trash your hot sauce, but you won't taste the hot sauce. That's it's very I mean, spicy. Yeah, that's true. The hot sauce is also extremely spicy, so. Maybe it's a nice one-two punch. Oh, well, man. I mean, for sure, I'm going to try it. You know that. Oh yeah. Well, I'm excited. I, I won't be at a, at the next home game either because I will still be on this road trip of mine. 
It's a very long road trip. So yeah. where are you just going to Seattle and staying there for a few days and then coming back or? No. He's doing the whole West like Coast. Doing the whole round yeah. trip. Seattle, Portland, Eureka, Monterey, Long Beach, then Mesa, Arizona, and then back home. <laughs> that sounds like a, incredible. Are you doing, um, so are you doing my dream where you follow the PCH all the way from like Bend all the way down to LA? Yeah, I think we'll do that. Well, I mean, Eureka's off the in, inland a little bit, but I think, or is Eureka all no, on the one? Yeah, it's on the, um, let's see. Let, let's pull it up. This no, is a ben, good map. Well, we ben can I, said, I didn't mean to say Bend. What city am I thinking of? I had this whole trip. This is a trip I planned like a thousand times years and years and years ago. Go up oh, to Seattle. Yeah, it's it's directly on the one, Matt. Oh, good. The, good. Well, the 101, the 101 at that point. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. like that is where like that is PCH at that point because there's there's no other road on the coast of there. Um, yeah, are you ta- are you talking about an Oregon town, Trevor? Yeah. So here's the thing. This was me being silly. If you hit Eugene and take the highway out to the to the 101 from there, so west, there's a town called Mapleton out there, and it's one oh. of like the two other Mapletons in the entire country. Yeah. Mapleton, Oregon. Yeah, Mapleton, Oregon. Right, and I just wanted to go there and get a sign that's like, take a picture by the sign that says "Welcome to Mapleton." I think this um, is, I can make oh, this Mapleton's part of my trip. Inland a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. It's just so inland from was just to go to Portland and then drive down to. You're talking Eugene. about Eugene, Oregon, not Eureka, Trevor. Right. No, yeah. what I said originally was go down to Bend and then go to the coast, but that's doesn't make any you're sense talking about all. going down to eugene and then go to the coast and you Instead go through Maine, going okay. to bend, yeah i see what you're saying yeah i just said bend the first time and that's not correct at all yeah, yeah maybe, i've done that whole do that. stretch of uh I've, I've taken i've gone directly like west of here gone through redding out to eureka and then driven the 101 all the way to the very top of the furthest northwest point of washington which is um Cape Flattery, which is an incredible place. Highly recommend anyone goes there. It's just the most out of the way place you can possibly go, pretty much. Um yeah. Anyway, that's it's a great it's a great uh great road trip destiny. It's not destiny, great road trip route, I guess. And yeah, I'm looking forward to it. that whole coast. It's incredible. Cape along the beach and Cape Flattery, yeah. All right, I'm going to look for that in a second. The most I just northwestern. Wanna, I can send you a bunch of pictures too from that place. It's crazy. I just want to point out as I'm looking following Highway 101 up, it does not pass through this town, but there is a town in Washington called Tokeland. Tokeland? Huh. Tokeland. I mean, my it's, yeah, it's like one word, so it's down. probably like Tokeland or Tokeland or something like that, but it is spelled Tokeland, and I think that's funny. That is pretty good. Yeah, yeah I'll, uh, I'll take tons of photos and I'll make you guys sit through a slideshow next time we pod. Oh, dude, that'd be awesome. Let's um, do like old school. Get a projector and put it on your living room wall. We'll just sit on the couch while you regale us with your yeah, tales. Like, there's parts of the Sounds Washington great. coast that are just like so out there. Anyway, sorry. I'm just so fascinated by parts of Washington and Oregon. Yeah. Well, we'll end every episode like we usually start it, which is with social hour. That's right. We're just looking at maps because I think maps are so fun. <laughs> yeah, I and love it's just always the Pacific Northwest maps. Yeah, it, yeah, you're right because it is it is a land of intrigue. Um, it just makes me think of Twin Peaks, really. So oh, I just as I scroll the maps, I just look, I, I just hear the theme song in my head. I'm just I'm gonna just play like, it on repeat 
the whole time we're in Washington and Oregon. Do you guys want to know something funny? Okay, this is the last thing I want to end on. Um, just because I'm in a good mood and I want to just... Wow, we've already recorded for an hour. But anyway, um, I was at this restaurant in Holiday today called Fave Bistro. And it's this like weird, it's like a Thai place. It's like a Thai, it's a, it, they have really good Thai food, but they also do like a bunch of other like Asian and dishes, okay. but also they Over also the do theater. breakfast and brunch there. Huh? Over by the theater? Yes, right there. Okay. Right by Pig in the Jelly Jar, which has been apparently rebranded to pig kitchen which just oh. is kind of weird but anyway i was talking with my coworker, and um she was uh like we were talking about the music that was being played in there and she was like this reminds me of the cisco hold music from like the late 90s and i was like oh yeah like i know what she's talking about but i couldn't like <clears throat> really make it like the sound in my head and so i was like we were talking i was like i bet there's like a playlist on spotify that's just called like cisco hold music and there's literally a playlist called cisco <laughs> hold music and um just by someone called breakthrough souls um but then she's like well there's the one song in particular that is what used to play on those and i was like yeah what was and she was like it's called opus number one and i was like how do you know that and so that's also on spotify it's by a man named tim carlton and this is that song Everyone knows this song. I don't think yeah. anyone has ever known the name of it other than my coworker Violet. I feel like there was an NPR segment on it a couple of years ago. Isn't could be. Like, I just I I have worked customer service or tech support for several years, so I've yeah. called several different companies and sat on hold. I've All definitely heard that. that one. I know everyone's heard it. Like literally every person that's ever made a phone call has heard that song. Anyway, I think it's incredible. So I've been bumping Opus number one today it's, it's a seven minute song or six six minute song seems like it's a great. little excessively long to me yeah it's a little long it just repeats itself too so all right on that note i guess it's time to end the pod i guess so trevor i want to say that uh you engaged david james with one of your tweets some nice job on that. Did I engage him? I know it, I talked about him. It's always nice to have influencers. Oh, um, it's it's responding the, uh, to our tweets. Did he he respond? Oh crap! He I'm went back to it. I posted I, it in in Slack. He went back to a tweet from October twenty first from uh from RSL Subbox where the tweet was RSL are currently below the playoff line and nothing will ever be good again. And oh, he responded. That was he responded and said, poorly aged tweet. We're trying to reverse jinx to get the universe behind your team. Discuss. <laughs> that is such a funny thing to do. Because you were like, like that was yeah, clearly let's have, in jest. Like, let's yeah. have a conversation now about this tweet six days ago. So I guess it wasn't you, Trevor. Yeah, I'm that would have been attributing that to probably you. Probably Lucas. That was yeah. Lucas. That was a funny joke, though. Like, nothing will ever be good again. And then Dave James is like, ha, poorly aged, guys. Like, you guys, you idiots back there. <laughs> Got him. <laughs> I just like that he ended off. it with discuss. <laughs> he's, just right, he's trying to start a conversation. Yeah. Uh, anyway, okay. We're sorry. just here to start a did, conversation. Did another hour on a, on a Wednesday or whatever. Yeah, Wednesday. Yeah, well, well thanks for, for listening to this very special episode of Off the Crossbar, a midweek episode. Again, I did not mention DJ, but DJ said that Frisco was just outside of Dallas on the broadcast. Mm. 
and I just want to make it very clear that that's not even a little bit true. <laughs> I tweeted about that. Oh, that's my tweet about did. DJ today. All right. Well, God save the queen, and we'll see everyone next time, I guess. <laughs> this has been episode 69 of Off the Crossbar. <laughs> very appropriate. Have Goodbye, to guys. One more time. Good night. Bye. <laughs> Goodbye.